Welcome to this BMJ podcast with me, Navjot Lada, analysis editor at the BMJ. I'm joined today by one of the authors of an analysis article recently published on bmj.com that discusses biologic evolution, the concept of biological medicines undergoing cumulative manufacturing changes that lead to an evolved drug, potentially with different components to the medicines studied and approved originally. We have with us David Hunt, honorary consultant neurologist at the Anne Rowling Clinic at the University of Edinburgh. Thank you for joining us, David. Well, thank you for the invitation. We'll just start by running through um, the background to um, this. So how did you come to be involved in this topic and what was it that interested you about it? Well, I'm an honorary consultant neurologist working in Edinburgh, and um, as many neurologists do now, we increasingly use biologic therapies to uh, to treat patients, um, to, to treat people with neuroinflammatory diseases and other diseases. And so I think that it's a, a subject area that's of, of great relevance to our clinical practice. And so run us through the sort of basic principles. What are biologics and what is about what is it about them and the way that they're manufactured that mean that they can change? So uh, biological medicines are a complex medicine. So um, a, a definition that is often used is that they are a um, they're therapies such as recombinant protein therapies or monoclonal antibodies that are made in living cells. For example, to make a recombinant protein, you have to culture the cells. You then have to uh, purify and extract the protein. You then need to stabilize the protein, and then you need to package it together. So together, those are, are quite complicated uh, manufacturing processes. Uh, manufacturing changes uh, can lead to uh, some very different changes in the behavior of these therapies. And so in that way, that distinguishes it from small molecules, which are comparatively much smaller and are less sensitive to the complicated manufacturing processes. So what what's the reason to change how these drugs are manufactured? Why, why would a manufacturer try and do that? Well, uh, many... And many doctors are not aware that the drug that they're prescribing, which may be a, a well-known uh, brand of uh, biologic therapy, a well-known uh, monoclonal antibody or, 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 or recombinant protein, will have undergone many changes and for many different reasons. So in the article, I think we cite the example that infliximab, which is a monoclonal antibody directed against TNF-alpha, has undergone over 30 manufacturing changes in a clinical lifetime, which has spanned two decades. Now, the reasons for those are complicated. They may be very minor changes or they may be larger changes. So, for example, with a recombinant protein, they may uh, wish to be a change to, to, to change the, the cell clone used to produce the protein. And that may be for, uh, for reasons of manufacturing efficiency. There may be a wish to remove and change stabilizers. So, for example, a number of uh, recombinant proteins are stabilized with human serum albumin. And there have been, over the years, safety concerns about the use of human protein products uh, to stabilize drugs. Um, but equally, a drug that's injected, there, there may be better ways of injecting, easier ways of injecting, um, that make drugs more compliant, that make, make, make uh, people who, who inject the therapies more compliant with the drug. So there may be many reasons to want to, as it were, tweak the changes. And what we discuss in the article is, is how those may uh, accumulate over time to lead to a product which diverges from the original product in a way that, that changes uh, the way uh, that the biological therapy uh, um, 
exerts its, its effect in terms of either efficacy of the drug, but also safety. Okay, so it's not it's not necessarily one big change that can lead to this, but but perhaps a sort of cumulative series of changes. I think that's one of the questions that uh, that, that needs to be answered. Are there particular changes that lead to uh, to profound uh, changes, or or is this a, a, a as it were a truly evolutionary process of minor sequential evolutionary change? that then leads to a drug that behaves in a different way to the drug that has the the well-recognised safety profile. And that's the core issue that you're presenting in your paper, that, you know, w- what is the impact of these changes? That's right. I mean, I think it's, it, it's fair to say that many of the reasons why manufacturing changes are introduced are to try and improve drugs. The question arises, if the medication has changed to the extent that it has altered one beneficial biological parameter, is it possible that it has altered um, a detrimental parameter? Is it possible that that drug has become less safe? Now, it may be that that is picked up in the very short clinical trials that are often mandated for these changes. But equally, I mean, if you're only testing uh, a drug on, on a few hundred patients, it may be that a serious um, uh, for example, a serious toxic uh, effect may occur later on, it may occur um, uh, further down the line, or it may, be, uh, it, it may just not be occurring sufficiently frequently to be picked up in those much smaller clinical trials. So there's a chance that these medications could be used without us knowing if there is, is a, a harmful side effect, and indeed they are, they are used in that way. I think that's right, and uh, and I think that one of the one of the questions is uh, how we detect changes in um, in safety profiles of these drugs. I think at the moment, and uh, I discussed this uh, in in the article, that I think that it, the the way that it is currently configured is that short clinical trials will emphasise short term improvements in a biological medicine, but may not detect long-term adverse events that may, I mean, these may occur after many years of exposure to the drug. It may be more difficult to identify those. And part of the reason for that is that we're very reliant, uh, for example, in neurology, we're very reliant on spontaneous reporting data to identify problems with evolved biologic agents. So that is healthcare professionals, doctors, patients, raising concerns, for example, through the yellow card scheme in the UK. Um, And that is a a good system for identifying uh, safety signals. So the concern here is that if the safety profile changes 15 years into a a drug's use, and is a safety signal going to be diluted if we're purely reliant on spontaneous reporting? Your your vigilance and your um, uh, your assumption uh, that uh, a serious adverse event is caused by the drug it may may be reduced, and you may be less likely to report something because you feel that the drug has a well-established profile, and you feel that you know what that is. Mm. And in the paper, you talk about a couple of examples um just briefly how were they how were they identified was was that through was that through sort of safety reporting 
So I think um, in both of those uh, cases, and, and I write the article with uh, Professor uh, Casella-Val, who's a professor of hematology, and uh, Oliver Flossman, who's a, um, a consultant nephrologist in, in the UK. Um, and we were all uh, identified um, some of these problems with evolved uh, biologics quite late on in the clinical lifetime of these drugs, both with recombinant, there are both recombinant protein therapies identifying problems with recombinant erythropoietin and uh, recombinant interferon. And I think um, you know, what was very important in identifying those problems was um, uh, being able to, to communicate directly with the national drug safety agencies um, because actually some of these, um, uh, some of these adverse events can be very difficult to recognize clinically. And particularly if they emerge um, in, in, in both cases, uh, well after a, a decade after um, the, the drug was first introduced. Um, so in addition to sustaining that vigilance, are there any other lessons that doctors can take away from these issues? I think that sometimes when, when, you, when you look at, um, the, uh, at how we collect drug safety data, a lot of it is very reliant on, uh, on safety agencies, uh, on drug safety agencies and on manufacturers, when in fact healthcare professionals have an important stake in this. And if we look at, um, uh, at what the rheumatologists did um, around uh, sort of, uh, 2002, 2003, when biologics were being widely introduced into their specialty, and this was particularly within the UK, the British Society for Rheumatology led the way with establishing a, a physician-led biologics register, which has now collected, I think, about 20,000 uh, uh, patients and is essentially a very detailed um, uh, prospective study of, of serious adverse events, um, and actually of all, all adverse events with, uh, with biologics. And that's allowed a lot closer mapping of the uh, long-term safety profile of these drugs and also is a good way of, um, of, of being able to cope with this issue of manufacturing change because it allows tracing. And do you think the onus for, for developing those registries should be from, from the specialties rather than, you know, a regulated-driven thing? I think um, you know. I think that healthcare professionals uh, have have duties in terms of uh, of drug safety, and I think that it has been shown that they can contribute more uh, to that. And I think that all specialties who use biologics, um, who may be potentially affected by these issues, should look very hard to think. You know, if these if this occurred in their own specialty. Are their systems adequate to be able to protect patients optimally? Okay. So, what about the role of the regulator then? Do you think um, do you think sort of mandating longer trials would be beneficial here, or is there is there something else that regulators can do? Well, I think that raising awareness of this is important. Um, the idea that biologics can potentially have a uh, have a dynamic safety profile. The reason being that we've touched on the fact that, it, 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 that spontaneous reporting um, can, uh, is very reliant on, on doctors recognising an association and, and, and that may decrease with time. And so I think that um, this is very relevant to biosimilars. We're very used to, um, to prescribing uh, biosimilars in, in, in Europe, um, but we're all a little bit wary of it. And I think that we have a feeling that, um, that biosimilars have a less well-defined safety profile than established 
biologic brands. Now, that might mean that we are more tempted to report uh, an adverse event with a biosimilar than we are with an established brand. And I think that we all need to be aware that these problems can occur at any point in a biologic's lifetime, and we must all be prepared to report it. And do you think there is good um, existing awareness? I mean, I, I'm i a GP and I, I didn't, didn't know about this at all. And I, I don't know how well um, patients who take these medications, you know, how, how much are they counselled about these possibilities? So I don't think that there is a particularly high awareness of these issues. Um, I don't think, you know, I think if you went to um, uh, you know, a, a doctor who is prescribing this or, or, or a pharmacist or a nurse who is, who is discussing this issue um, with, uh, with patients, um, there would be an assumption that the medication, that the biologic medication that they are being prescribed um, is the same as that was, that was tested in extensive clinical trials. And the uh, the truth of the matter is that almost every component of that medication may have been changed so for example the recombinant protein may have been changed the uh, the stabilizer stabilizer may have been changed and the packaging may have been changed so every major component of the drug is different and i think that that's an important point to convey and this isn't you know, this isn't to worry people. It's just simply to say that people need to be vigilant, uh, and and that vigilance um, that vigilance uh, should be maintained. And similarly, would that apply for manufacturers as well? Yes, I think so. I mean, at the moment, it's predominantly the the regulators and the manufacturers who uh, who, who take the lead on these matters. Um. So when people are being more vigilant and aware, what is it that they should be looking out for? Well, I think, I mean, I think when I say vigilance, what I really mean is being prepared to report things. And as it were, the closer you are to the medication, often the better insight you have into it. And that um, it, it can be quite easy for doctors to sometimes disregard a potential association between a side effect and a medication. But actually, patients may well have a much better perspective on that because they're taking the medication every day. Um, you said before that, that this is something that we're sort of beginning to understand, but there's still quite a lot that we don't know. Um, what research can we be doing to better understand these issues? Well, I think that's a very good question. And, and, and in the uh, article, I think there are three things that we can all be doing to improve safety. One is, uh, uh, is to improve awareness. The second is to uh, consider uh, biologics registries and the third as you say is what research needs to be done and I think firstly we need to define biological evolution better to really try and understand the extent to which it poses risks and that's a really critical question because we also um, we don't want to um, uh, we don't want to necessarily stifle changes to medications that could Im- can improve them. We don't want to have you know, very expensive uh, prolonged clinical trials. We have to try and find the optimum design that encourages innovation and reduces what are now fairly crippling costs of biologic therapies. Um, but also which maintains safety. And so, for example, a, a critical question is what, what is it which is it a single critical change to the manufacturing that can lead to, a, to, to an alteration in safety? Or is it accumulation of many? At the moment, this, this area is, is not very well defined um, and I think would, uh, would benefit from, uh, from, from more detailed 
uh, pharmacopoeimological study. And again, that's where uh, biologics registries, I think, will come in and, and have a role. But also uh, to combine that with the biological and, and, and the, um, the biological study of uh, these adverse events to try and delineate their mechanistic basis as well. Great. Well, David, thanks so much for um, joining us today. That's, that was brilliant. And that article, Evolution of Biological Agents, How Established Drugs Can Become Less Safe, is now available on bmj.com.